Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Malthouse Games Podcast, episode number 115. I will be your host today, and with me, as usual, is my lovely wife and yellow player, Haley. Howdy. We are recording on a Tuesday night, which feels uh, wrong. It does. It's a school night. <laughs> Technically, for some, yes, it's a school night. Uh, it feels sort of wrong because Thursday morning, we fly to Ohio for Cabin Con with Alan and... Tyler and Robin and David and a bunch of other people. Uh, we're going to get to hang out and Ben. There we go. And I'm trying to think of more people that are going to be there, but I don't know any more definites that we know well. Anyway, we're going to Cabin Con. Super excited about it. Getting to do several things around the Cleveland area. Uh, so we got to record the podcast early and try to get this thing edited and ready to go for Sunday because we'll be traveling home when this releases. I have to say, I was kind of tired logging on today because it's like 8 o'clock at night, and so because I'm 30, it's bedtime, and uh, I heard the intro music, so Delton always plays the intro music for us, and I have to say, that kind of pumped me up, kind of got me jazzed. I think I'm ready. I think I'm ready for a good podcast. I got me some energy. I'm about to get me a cold beer. I think we're ready to go. It definitely helps when you get started. Like before this, I'm yawning, and I'm still tired. You know, we're tired. We've had uh, a long week, a long two weeks, it feels like. We've been very busy. Um, with other vacations as well as just life and work. But once you get logged in and get started and the music plays and you're just kind of like getting ready for the zone, it feels like you, you get a little kick of energy, you're ready to go, you're ready to talk about some board games, talk about beer, talk about life plans, uh, and it just makes it a lot easier. It's a kick in the pants. It really is a kick in the pants. So while Delton is pouring this really dark black liquid into, a, into cups for us, uh, what have we been up to the last two weeks, Delty Poo? Uh, this last weekend, I got to draft Cube at Brian's house with him, Dan, and Dakota. Oh, I'm sorry. I poured you a little less than mine. Egad. I think you're fine with that, probably, because this is more of my style of beer anyway. My tummy's going to be full. We hardly ever, like, drink full beers of something on the podcast, so this is going to be fun. Yeah, so I got to draft uh, Cube at Brian's house. I'm trying to think what else I did this weekend. We went hiking. We went hiking on Sunday with Jenwin and Cody. I finally got to watch Dune last night, which was very good. I'm very excited for part two because part one is like, guess what? Here's a whole world. We're going to build it. We're going to get you ready. We're going to make sure you understand a, a, some of the stuff. We're going to get it all prepped and ready. And then right when you're really thinking it's kicking off, we're going to end this movie at like two and a half hours. And I wish it was another two hours long. Like I'm just ready for more because it sets up so well. But that first movie is almost all set up and introduction and world building, which I absolutely love, but I'm ready for more. So I got to do that. Ready for action. Ready for action. And then I got to present on Saturday. It was the first time I did an in-person presentation uh, in about three years. I think so, yeah. Uh, I was talking to Mike as so I've worked for uh, my company for about three years now, and I've been the director of continuing education. I've been a part of probably, I don't know, 30 trainings. This was the first time I actually presented in person. It was weird. But it went well, by the sounds of it. Went super well, had a great time. And then like Delton said, we went hiking on Sunday. We also went to Hochitown. We did. There is in the southeast part of Oklahoma, and a lot of just eastern Oklahoma in general, but mostly the southeast, uh, we have a lot of bleed over from Arkansas. The Wichita Mountains. Wichita Mountains and Beaver's Bend State Park. And uh, I guess more pure east, we get like the remnants of the Ozarks more toward the northeastern part of the state. but. Uh, the southeastern part is very popular side of town with Beaver's Bend State Park. Uh, Broken Bow is probably the most popular town there for people to stay and hear about. But we stayed a little bit north of Broken Bow, 
uh, with Haley's family in a town called Hochatown. Hochatown. I, ta- I talked about it last time. I'm sure Hochatown uh, is a Native American word, as is Wichita, as is a ton of the towns and cities and places in Oklahoma. Did you know, I learned this today, the last Native speaker of Wichita only passed away in 2016. That's really sad, but also very interesting. Yeah, her, her grand, she was raised by her grandparents who were full Wichita Native Americans, mm-hmm. and that was her first language. Wow, that's she, crazy. It was it was wild, but she is she was responsible for the preservation of the language and is still being taught today like textbooks were written because of her. That's really cool. That's awesome. I learned that I, today. In high school, uh, they had the option at my town for a little bit of, oh, I can't remember. It was a, a spoken and written language. It might have been Cheyenne Arapaho, if that, or it was, mm, I can't remember which uh, tribe's language it was. I wish I knew. Uh, but I, I don't remember exactly which language it was, which thinks, which shows you I didn't take the class. It wasn't, it, it just wasn't fitting my curriculum. But uh, looking back now, I wish I could have moved stuff around to take it just because it's fascinating to hear them speak it and see it written. Like it's just, it's very different than what we're used to. And from everybody in the class, they said it's very difficult. It is not an easy language to learn coming from the English speaking as your main language. Uh, but we had a, a couple of people native uh, to Oklahoma that lived there in Geary. And they taught it, and I don't think it stayed around for too terribly long because a bunch of high schoolers, most of us didn't want to learn languages, a very small town, you know, the whole story. But uh, really fascinating. So that's cool that she was able to help keep that language alive. And, yeah. And to the point where now it is still being able to be taught. That's really cool. Yeah, in Oklahoma, we have a lot of towns that are uh, named in the indigenous languages. And yes. Wichita was one of them because we have the Wichita, which is like spelled with the W, and then the Wichita, which is spelled O-A-U-C-H. I-T-A. They're both pronounced the same, but the Wichita mountain range, when we start with an O, is where we were this last weekend. And it was a very enjoyable experience. Delta and I got up every day. We did. Went for a hike every day. Yep. And uh, there was one point, so we, we go to this trail. And so Delta and I, we've been hiking like four to five mile moderate trails in Oklahoma City, just kicking butt, taking names, and making it like a great start to a Sunday. So we're like, yeah, let's choose this like Four-mile moderate trail in Beaver's Bend. Incorrect. That is like, that makes Oklahoma trails, Oklahoma City trails look like bunny slopes, man. Yeah. We saw a sign, and it was two uh, backpackers basically sideways, and I laughed because I thought it was a joke. No, that just means you're going straight uphill. Yeah, there were several times we had to use all fours, and the second hike, the first hike we did was the spillway loop there down in Beaver's Bend State Park. Gorgeous loop. If you want to see any of the pictures, we posted them on social media, so make sure to follow us at Malthouse Games. But we posted pictures, and the spillway loop is gorgeous. It's also part of the Friendship Trail, which is a very popular trail at Beaver's Bend. Yes, a very popular trail at Beaver's Bend, and we got to do part of that, which was within uh, the spillway loop. And then we also did the uh, Mountain... Mountain Overlook. It wasn't Mountain Overlook. There was a specific name, and it was... We're, we're both going to our All Trails app. Uh, that way we can find exactly what the heck. Highly recommend the All Trails app if you have not used it yourself. Yes, it is Lookout Mountain Loop. Lookout Mountain Loop. It's only a 2.9 mile loop, but uh, in, let me see, it's in less than a half mile. You have an elevation gain of about 500 feet or more. So that doesn't seem like a lot, but when you're hiking it, it's exhausting. We were trying to get up there and we weren't taking it easy and taking it slow. We were just trying to keep our speed. Uh, so I was super gassed and had to stop several times just to breathe, let my legs rest. It was a heck of an incline, but man, getting up on top of that, they call them mountains. 
technically Oklahoma has no mountains because a mountain by definition is that the peak, I think you said, was a thousand feet in elevation above the average uh, like land beneath it. Yeah, something and like that. And Oklahoma does not have any that actually break that. They are very close, like within 100 feet or something. Uh, but anyway, getting on top of that giant hill, basically, was really cool. It's super, super nice down in Beaver's Bend. If you want to go hiking and see the, what would you call it, kitschy redneck? It's like a kitschy redneck, yeah. All the stores are like, Bigfoot's around here, y'all. And that's their vibe they go for. And it, for the most part, works. They ha- there was one store that sold the shirt that just said, Beans. And I've never been so tempted. I had already bought my <laughs> shirt for the trip. I was only allowing myself yeah. one shirt. But then I looked at this purple shirt and white letters just said beans. And I'm like, why, why did I have <laughs> why to buy? Why do you want this? Why do I want this? But also, why did I have to go for the tie-dye Bigfoot Spring Break 2022 shirt first whenever there was beans waiting for me all along? Which, that tie-dye shirt you got from a uh, local to Hochatown there is Mountain Fork Brewery. Now, we've had Mountain Fork Brewery on the show before. We talked about that. Sneaky snake and rooster. Yep, we told you guys about it before. We got to go to their brewery in-house. Their food was good. Sadly, uh, they did not have their, I think it's an Impossible Patty they use for their vegan burger. Uh, It is marked vegan and everything, but they didn't have the meat in, or the fake meat, I should say, at the moment. But we had fries. We had onion rings, stuff like that. That was very good. And their beers there were good. We got to try seasonals, things you can't get in bottles, stuff like that. But we so- also met Hochatown's one and only lawyer. Yes. According to himself, what was his name? Ledger. Ledger. Your go-to guy for contracts, for real estate law, and for DUIs, he said. Yep. Because Hochatown is not a full town. They don't have a post office. They have no police force. It's all out of Broken Bow. Uh, it's a very popular thing. If you're from a small town area, sometimes one bigger town will essentially take all the small towns around and make it part of it. So they're all in one school district. They have one post office. They kind of come together, and instead of moving people in or something, they just let them stay in those towns, but they make it work. So that's what that is. But we got to have beer there at Mountain Fork, which was very good. And we that's what we brought back for the episode, as well as some for our own enjoyment. So the beer for this episode One is, and done. The one and done is, uh, this is in a... It's not quite a wine bottle size. Wine bottle, 750 milliliter. I think this is like a 500 milliliter. I think milliliter. it's about 500. Yeah. It is a beer they have that's called the MFB 9. It is a 9% American stout. This is a barrel-aged version of that. Uh, you can only get this there at the brewery. And so we knew, okay, that's the one we have to bring back. It is also dirty motor oil thick. That's what it looks like. It's very thick. It's very dark. You can't see through it. The head retention is very low. It did not hold a lot. Oh, you can smell the sweetness from the barrel aging. Now, from what we understood, the uh, person who owns Mountain Fork Brewery has two brothers. They all basically own Mountain Fork Brewery. They own the Hochatown Distillery, which makes very good bourbon. Uh, and they owned the winery? I don't think they own the winery. They own something else. Oh, they own cabins. One cabins, of them manages yeah. real estate for cabins. Uh, so the barrels that this beer is aged in are the same barrels that the distillery down there used for its whiskey. Smells very malty, very sweet from the barrels. Ooh, there's a lot of, a lot of caramel, really di- like nice velvety texture. Caramel velvety texture aftertaste is biscotti cookie. It's a really almost thin mm. when it, when you first take a drink. Then in the middle, it opens up and in the back, it feels really big. It feels really like full body, full texture. Uh, you get all the flavor coming in at the back. And then, yeah, as you swallow, there's that bit of like 
really, really toasted malt, really chocolate malt mm-hmm. comes through there, which is really nice. Mm. That's a really, really good barrel-aged stout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that a lot. I had this the normal MFB9, and it was good. This is definitely worth spending the money on the special. And we need to drive back down? At some point, we will. Maybe when Morgan goes down there, I'll convince her, like, hey, go pick me up one of these, will you? <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so Mountain Fork Brewery is a very good brewery out of Oklahoma if you get a chance to try it out. Is there anything else we've done before we move on to the game? I guess we can say uh, we're finally getting a new central heat and air. We are. <laughs> it's a, it's a, very, uh, a very exciting but also expensive thing. So uh, yeah, that's coming next, uh, next Friday. Not this week, but next week. We will be getting a new central heat and air, having a new return duct put in, fixing a bunch of code violations apparently that we're now in because our <laughs> house is old. Hey, we haven't died yet. We haven't died yet. Everything's been functioning fine. It's just uh, it's time to upgrade. It's time for the summer to stop being so harsh on us. And hopefully this means the electric bill goes down. And that we don't die from carbon monoxide poisoning. Yeah, we don't have to worry about that, the heat exchanger or whatever. Yeah, our system's seven years older than we are, so... <laughs> I mean, that's true. It was put in with the house when the house was built in 1985, and they've never replaced it. We've never replaced it. So it is time before it hits 40. Let's toast to air conditioning and oxygen. Air conditioning and oxygen. Let's go. Of course, we also live in a part of the world where we have to have air conditioning. I'm very jealous of those who live where you don't need to have air conditioning or vice versa for heating. You know, just kind of nice to have that. But we get the word. We get the worst, but also the best times are also really good. So we get a we get all four seasons, that's for sure. In one day. In one day. Speaking of four seasons, let's move on to the game. Oh, here's the door. It's straight ahead. It's it's a game. So for the game of this episode, we wanted to talk about parks. Now we have mentioned parks in an episode or two in the past. Uh, Haley first got to play Parks at Gen Con at Jennifer and Nick's house in Portland. That's where she got to try it. I think, were me and Nick playing Magic? I think you were playing Magic. I think we were playing our Commander game. Uh, Speaking of Jennifer and Nick, by the way, shout out to all of our awesome Patreon patrons. Thank you so much to Allison, Alan, Jesse, Catherine, Jennifer, and Cliff. Thank you all so much for supporting us on Patreon. You guys are amazing. Also, I'm going to give one more a big shout out and congratulations to Jesse and Catherine for getting engaged. Woo! It was on Jesse's for Jesse's birthday basically. They got engaged, they got to go to Philly, all kinds of cool stuff. Really congrats guys. That's super super exciting. Uh but yeah, so Haley got to play Parks at Jennifer and Nick's. I got to play Parks recently because Brian picked it up for him and his wife and he brought it over and said, "I want you to try this." And I said, "Cool, I've been wanting to play it since I didn't play it in Oregon." So Parks is a really neat game. Uh, I need to look at how many players it goes. But Parks is published by Keymaster Games. It is designed by Henry Audubon. All of the art is from the 59 Parks print series. I don't know if extra art was done. Um, since I don't have the rulebook in front of me, I can't look at that. I guess I could pull up the PDF, but I'm going off the credits from BoardGameGeek.com. So it's the 59 Parks print series. And the editor is Travis Hill. And the insert designers, who I feel like I need a shout out because those inserts are great, are Noah Adelman and Bryce Cook. So Parks is a one to five player game, and it takes roughly 30 to 60 minutes. Parks is all about you as a player control two hikers or two 
trekkers or whatever you want to call them. I'm pretty sure it's just hikers. And what it is, is the game takes part over four different seasons. During those seasons, the weather will affect which uh, weather tokens come out. Your hikers will move place to place, collecting weather tokens, collecting resources such as trees or water or sunshine or animals potentially. All of these tokens are used to then trade in to purchase uh, cards that represent different national parks across the country of the United States. And this is my favorite part of the game because, oh my gosh, the art and the graphic design on the cards are beautiful. They're reminiscent of like the late 40s, early 1950s. Uh, baby boomers are three years old. Let's go on a car trip artwork that you <laughs> well, see along Route 66. These are the official National Parks artwork. Oh, really? Like, I had no idea. So yeah, that when I was saying the, the 59 Parks print series, uh -huh. they actually did. Let me click on it and see if I can get this pulled up. Um, the 59 Parks print series here. Uh, I don't see an official link, but I believe, you know what? I'll Google this on the fly. Um, we're doing it live, Cotton. Yeah, we're going to go to the P Parks print series. And I believe that this is from, yeah, here, Art of the National Parks. So these are, I don't know if they're posters. We believe public lands and art of printmaking are worth preserving. Our posters celebrate national parks and are beautiful screen printed to USA. 5% of each post poster sale before profit is donated to the National Park Service. So I don't think these are the so, actual... Yeah, I guess it's this company or something. Yeah, but it's really neat that the prints give back to the National Parks because, oh my goodness, these are such beautiful depictions of each of the parks. And they do, like Delton said, all 59 parks in them. Oh yeah, and the, here's what's neat. So a membership, it's $500, which is a lot. Uh, it says $500... This year, we're offering two membership options, very limited qualities. They're both gone. Each option comes with its own perks. Receive shop credit. You basically get $650 credit to the shop. That's $150 in free shop credit, 25 boosts from last year, two free prints, National Park pennant. Basically, it's a bunch of stuff that supports National Parks, but um, I could have sworn that this was like officially like the park's posters, but anyway, these are awesome, gorgeous artwork. I highly recommend checking it out, even if just for the great artwork. But as Haley also said, the graphic design of the game is also really well done. It's one of those games that you sit down on the table, you set it up, and it already makes sense. I see these little symbols on these cards, and I see them in a different place on these cards. I bet you collect them here and purchase with them there. It all makes sense. It's really clean. It's really simple, but it's also pretty, which is always a bonus for us. So in the game, you're controlling your two hikers. You are walking through uh, these little tiles that you lay out, and these—they're—I uh, almost want to say they're like a triangular. I almost want to use the term chevron, where they like nestle together. And you move your hikers along them, collecting the resources. Once you've passed one, you can't go backward. You got to continue on the trail to your campsite. Uh, you can't stop where other hikers are. Sometimes you can take photos, collecting the animal tokens, act as wilds, and you try to collect these parks, take photos do different things during the game to get the most points when the game is over. It's really not a difficult game to play. It's not complicated to understand. It's not hard to do, but it's something that's very fun because you're like, oh, I want to do this park. And then you grab it and you go, wow, this park's really pretty. Where is this park? And then you read it on the card and then you want to Google where the park's at. Then you find the ones where you've maybe been to and you go, hey, we've been here before. How cool was that? That's what I think really makes this game something awesome is that it, it does it. it. It's a game that's easy to play. It'd be good for families. It's good for people who just want to have a relaxing game time, something that's fun and different and, you know, not too complicated. But then it sparks conversation. And I think that that's the, the biggest plus. 
Yeah, sparks conversation because like Delton said, you want to Google the park, you want to find out where it is. But it also sparks appreciation as well that we have so many of these naturally beautiful areas in this country. And it's just it's amazing that we have this. And it's we're I'm very grateful that we have these preserved as well. I was about to say naturally beautiful areas that are being preserved. I think that's the biggest key there. They're actually, you know, being kept as a park. So that way we have nature left and it's not just suburbia and high rises. So it's really cool. Uh, in the game, I really like that you play through the four seasons. Every season you have different weather. The weather dictates extra tokens that come out. That's like a neat little mechanic that I enjoy. Uh, the different cards where you hike along, you could be like, you go to this one, you get a tree. This one gets you a water. All of that kind of stuff. Those shuffle and rearrange every season. So it's like you're hiking somewhere else. So maybe you have inclines in the beginning and then some water spots in the middle and then a really sunny field at the end. And so that changes up uh, for all four seasons. There are some tools you can get that can help you collect. When you get a sun token, you get an extra sun token. When you do this, you get an extra that. So it's all very simple. It's straightforward. It's an easy game, but it's a very fun one. I, I've really, I really enjoyed it. And I think part of it was it's easy to stay on strategy with this game. It's one of those games where you're like, all right, I'm just going to do this and try for that card. And there is the ability uh, when you get to your campsite, somebody can buy, you know, you can buy a card or you can re reserve a card, whatever. So I like doing the reserve a card. Take this one. This is what I'm working toward. And then you start working toward that card uh, or continuing to work toward it if you couldn't quite get the resources you needed. So it's really easy to stay on track, stay on path, which I think uh, is a very nice thing in a game for me because sometimes I get distracted easily. And I really like it, too, because, you know, you, you like Delton said, you, you go through your hike, you go through the seasons, you know, you collect everything that you need to get that card. And it's basically you're going through all this work just for a picture. And I feel like that's that's what the hiking experience is, too. You know, yeah. you when you go, you are tre trudging along through mud, you're climbing up inclines, you're bracing the wind, you're picking off ticks, where if you're in Oklahoma, but you're doing it to get the sights, to get the sound, to have that experience and take nothing but pictures. Yeah, you really are. You're, you're going through to what I like about the game. The resources you collect are the same way, right? It's you're experiencing the sunshine, the trees, the animals, the water. And that's kind of how the game represents it. It's not that you're collecting these things. It's not that you're taking them home. It's that your little hiker is experiencing this weather, experiencing the wildlife. And then when they finally get to uh, the way I imagine is when you spend these resources on one of the park cards, it's like, I'm seeing all of this in this one location, right? I can experience this all day, but this one big location, this is where all of this happens. And it's kind of like this dump of, ah, this scenery. And I, uh, like you said, I do like that, though. With That's how it is hiking. You take a photo. You enjoy the sunshine. You sit and listen to the water. You're there to experience the things around you, to be part of nature. And I feel like this game does try to, uh, you know, emulate that in a way. Hey, what can I get you? I'd like a topic. Any special way? Make it a top shelf topic. Coming up. Enjoy. So the topic for today, uh, we didn't want to talk too much on the mechanics of parks because as simple and solid as the mechanics are, uh, I think for me at least, that's not what makes parks such an enjoyable experience. It is fun. So don't get me wrong. The mechanics don't take away and they do, you know, they do things correctly, but I think that them being lumped in with the theming, lumped in with what they're trying to do is what makes the game as good as it is in my head. So instead of sitting and dwelling on all the different things of 
oh, and then you do this, and here's how you blah, 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 mechanic. We've basically explained the whole game. It's very simple. But what the game does well is that it tries to replicate a real-life experience. And that's what makes it rich. That's what makes it rich. That's what makes it a game that I want to buy. Sure, Brian has it. I could borrow it from him, but I want to buy it. I want to get the expansion. I want to play this game. But that is because it does. It tries to replicate that experience. So for the topic today, we wanted to talk about games that replicated experiences. So as we were just talking about with Parks, Parks likes to replicate the idea of you're walking through nature and you're experiencing the sunshine, the water, the, you know, the, uh, the trees. You're experiencing the animals around. You're taking photos to commemorate that time. That's a lot of, of things, and that's how it is when you go hiking. And if you're not a big hiking person, I completely understand. Uh, you know, it's sometimes getting out in nature is just not fun. And I completely get that. But there's things in life that no matter what there that you like to experience. And when a game tries to replicate that, or if a game replicates it and you haven't been able to experience it, sometimes that's just really nice to be like, oh, this makes me want to blank. Yeah. And I felt that way about parks because, you know, as we're as I was playing at Nick and Jennifer's house back in August, you know, where we're going through the cards, looking at admiring them, talking about how pretty they are. and Jennifer. You know, her goal was to, from what I remember, collect the cards that she'd been to. So like, oh, I've been to this park, I'm going to go to that one. Oh, I've been to this park, I'm going to go to that one. And I'm looking through and I'm like, holy crap, I have never been to a national park. Yeah. Never. And I'm looking through all these cars. I'm just admiring how beautiful they are. And I'm getting so inspired. And I feel like it was that inspiration that that really kind of started this desire to hike. Because we went hiking that weekend, too, with Nick and Jennifer. And since then, Delton and I have discovered hiking and camping on our own. And so I feel like... Not only our experience with Nick and Jennifer, but playing this game has really motivated us, one, to get out in nature, but two, to kind of explore some of these national parks. Definitely, because we hiked a little bit before, really just a couple times, right? Our first time in Oregon, we hiked in Forest Park. Uh, We drove out to Crater Lake one day, all the way from Portland down and back, which was a 15 hours on the road, 15 hours. But we got donuts. We did get donuts from Voodoo, Uh, but we got to do that. And so that kind of like sparked a little bit of interest in us. But here at home, we don't have great trails. We don't have mountains. We don't have snowy peaks in the distance. We don't have, you know, trees that are, I don't know how big those trees in Oregon mountains were down in the south side, but they were massive compared to everything we have here. And we just don't have that easily accessible. Beaver's Bend for us is a four hour drive, maybe just under, maybe three and a half. Um, That's a long way to drive. Like that's something you have to set out and say, okay, let's take Friday off so we can drive for four hours down there and make sure we have Saturday, Sunday morning, and then four hours back. Like, it's just a lot of time. Just to give you a perspective on Oklahoma, if you were to drive from the southeast corner to the northwest corner, it would take you about 11 to 12 hours. Trying to think all the way up the panhandle? Mm -hmm. Even if you exclude the panhandle, it's still like, what, probably 8 to 10? 8 to 10, yeah. Like, it's a lot. It's a Our states, I mean, given a lot of states are big, but our state's very big, and there's nothing happening in most of it. It's only those few select spots, such as Southeast down at Beaver's Bend State Park, that are that nice. But we did. We started getting inspired to hike a bit. And then when we went and saw Nick and Jennifer last year, and we got to go hiking out at, uh, I'm trying to think of where we went. One of them was that little park that had all the blackberries. Oregon. Well, I know it was in Oregon, (laughs) but there was the little park with all the blackberries. And I'm trying to think of where else we went, but. Uh, we had a lot of fun. I think we par- did. We hike in Forest Park. We did. We hiked up Forest Park for a yeah. minute. Um, but we had a lot of fun, and it kind of want- made us want to keep hiking more. Uh, and now that we've discovered the Bluff Creek Trail down in Oklahoma City, uh, that one's been really nice because it's kind of in a quiet section right off of a highway, but you wouldn't know it. You see deer, a lot of you know wildlife, 
but it's actually taken care of too, which is nice. So uh, it inspires us to hike. And so games like parks, that's what it did is me and Haley have never been to a national park. Uh, luckily, that will change this weekend in Ohio because we'll get to go to Cuyahoga. Cuyahoga or Cuyahoga. I don't know how to pronounce it. I've heard, it, I've heard it pronounced Cuyahoga. We need Ben. Help. Yeah, we just need somebody. Uh, <laughs> I'm, sh- I'm sure we could Google it. I'll do that while I talk, but it'll be our first ever national park. No, let's let Ben correct us. Let Ben correct like us. Ben All correct right. us. If ben, ben, if Ben hears this, now given, we'll see him. We can ask him. No, he has to. We have to wait. We have to wait and see if he listens he'll, to the episode. He'll hear our voices on Sunday after we've left and be like, Kayahuga. Or uh, Q. It's spelled C U Y A H O G A. It's just like Quebec. Yeah, Quebec. 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 <laughs> it, there's so many ways to pronounce it, probably, but there is a correct one. But uh, Cuyahoga National, or sorry, Cuyahoga Valley National Park will be our first ever national park. We are going to go hiking on Friday morning and Saturday morning. Um, I don't think we're going to go hiking in the evening and we're not going to do anything crazy long. We usually put ourselves at a between four and five mile limit. Uh, usually that puts us around a two hour hike at most and usually about an hour 15 at least, depending on elevation and, you know, different factors. Here in Oklahoma, it's like an hour 15. In Beaver's Bend, four mile hike was uh, two hours. So there is a difference there, but we're gonna, it's going to be our first national park. So the next time we play parks, if that card comes up, we can be like, hey, We've been there. We did it. We played one of these cards. Basically, you and I are going to both be both vying for that card. That's exactly what it is. We're both going to fight over it. But, but like, go ahead. Yeah, but just like, you know, parks simulates a hiking experience and really in, in, encourages us to, you know, go explore. There are other games that simulate experiences, too. And one that I thought about when we were talking about this topic was morels. Definitely, because that's something we've done in life, right? We've been mushroom hunting several times. And it's funny, people make fun of me for calling it mushroom hunting, but that's what it is. And that's what we do. And we're also vegan, so it's the only hunting we can do. <laughs> there you go. It's very popular here in Oklahoma. Uh, morels are a mushroom. They generally are in the springtime when you get a really big heavy rain. The next couple of days, especially if it's sunny and warm, they will pop up under trees in a matter of hours. And they are delicious. You basically take them, wash them, slice them, soak them in some salt water, and uh, drain that off, put them back in some water kind of thing after a day. They're good to fry. They're good cooked anyway. They're a very delicious mushroom. But I re- what I really like about morels is that it does simulate that mushroom experience because, like Delton said, you have to wait. Morels only grow in certain areas, certain times of the year. You have to wait for them to pop up, and you can't cultivate them yourself. You have to actually – morels is one of those mushrooms that they haven't figured out how to cultivate. Yeah. And so with morels, you know, you're, you're waiting for the little sundial to go around the track. You have to wait your turn to be able to get these different mushrooms, and you see them. You know that they're coming. And you have to collect enough to make a meal, but you have to wait for those mushrooms to come around. You have to also collect your butter. You have to be able to have enough pans to cook them in. So it really simulates the, the waiting, the hunting, hunting, the gathering, and then, of course, the cooking, which is always nice. It does, because you're looking in the forest in morels, and if you don't have walking sticks, you can't get mushrooms that are further into the forest. And it's just, it is, it's very fun, because you wait for the cards to come up, you really want to get them. But if somebody dilly-dallies and, and does it to where for some reason you can't get to it in time, then it's going to go into the decayed pile. It's going to go bad. It's going to dry out. And then it's not going to be any good after that. So it does. That one really does replicate that mushroom hunting and everything. And every time we play it, I go, I want to go find mushrooms. Because <laughs> we get morels in the spring, but in the fall, we get oyster mushrooms that grow on. Generally, it's the dead tree trunks of like oak trees and stuff. Uh, they're a lot harder to find. I think they're actually a better tasting mushroom when fried. 
Uh, but you have to make sure to find them, cut them off. They're delicious. May you got that morels hook up again this year? I mean, my parents go and get five-gallon buckets every year. So what we need to do is the next big rain comes through like that, I need to head out there to my parents and say, take us. We're getting mushrooms. Fingers crossed for April 16th. Yes, for Easter weekend. If it can get rainy and give us some mushrooms. I'll let mom know tomorrow when I talk to her. Hey, if you guys go mushroom hunting, please keep us back some. But Morel's is, it is another game that really replicates that. A game along a similar lines to Parks, I think, that tries to simulate uh, is Sunset Over Water. Sunset Over Water, you're basically choosing a time to wake up so you can hike to these landscapes so you can paint them. That one doesn't sit the same with me, but that's because I don't paint. You know what I mean? It doesn't make me inspired to go paint in the same way that hikes or parks inspires me to just go hiking. However, it does make you want to go to places that look like those cards. You want to find those places that have that picturesque scene that, even though that one's about painting, that you want to take a photo of, you want to take a picture with. I don't know, man. It awakens my inner best soul bull. Yeah. I mean, the cards are beautiful. Artwork's beautiful. It's a good little game. For sure. Sunset over water is great. But another one you said earlier today was photosynthesis, too. Yes, photosynthesis is an interesting one because it's not trying to replicate the experience of a human in a forest, but it's trying to showcase, in a way, the experience of a tree in the forest or in a forest in general of how trees will grow and spread and then die and grow and how the sun provides energy to make sure it can grow and spread further to keep its species alive. And it's kind of a fascinating look at it to me because I feel like it replicates it basically as well as you could in a board game, but also makes a fun game out of it. Um, Photosynthesis, I don't recommend with more than two players. I think it slows down far too much, but with two players, really, really, really like photosynthesis as well. I know that a lot of people have started bird watching because of Wingspan, because Wingspan's about observing these birds, learning about these birds. That's been a huge thing, and I feel like that's probably pretty accurate to the birding community, right? Is you're looking at books, finding out what birds are in your region, learning about these birds, what times of day, what colors, where do they normally sit? Is it in the water, the marshy areas, the trees? Then you go and try to identify them, try to spot them in the wild. So I feel like Wingspan's another that, uh, in a way, replicates uh, bird watching. I have a question for you. Go for it. You know, we're talking about this topic, which is, you know, building an experience within a game. What is the difference between what we're talking about, like building an experience within a game and just a theme? So for me, uh, this is a weird one. Behind the scenes, uh, I had to cut out a bunch of stuff (laughs) because my thoughts are crazy. Uh, So for me, it is when... Actually, you know what? I want you to answer your section of this. I want how does what do you think about your own question? Then I'll talk about mine and maybe that will make more sense and I can uh, truncate this whole thing I'm clipping out to make it easier to understand as a listener. So I think for me for a game to replicate an experience versus just be a theme is that the mechanics of the game have to be incorporated in a way that mirrors the actual experience. So, for example, with photosynthesis, whenever you place a level two tree, you can't place a level one tree behind it and expect to get, to get sun. And so that's an actual experience that you'd see in real life in that the taller trees are going to you know, keep the sun from hitting the smaller trees. And I think the same thing with uh, morels. With morels, you have that waiting game. There's not really a lot you can do to, to get around it. Like, yeah, you can get a, a walking stick to go further into the forest, but if you don't get there in time, then the mushrooms are going to die. They're going to wither. And I think that's more than just a theme because a theme, you know, it can give you a feeling, 
But I think an experience within a game is building the game with that theme in mind. And I think that makes perfect sense. Really, what you've just described is good game design, right? If a game can take a theme and its mechanics and mesh them to where it does feel like it's truly replicating that experience, that's a well-designed game, right? It's a, somebody who knows what they're doing implementing that. In terms of my perspective of your question, uh, for me, now what, what was the question wording exactly? Do you remember? Because I forgot. What's the, di- <laughs> what's the difference between just having a theme and building an experience within a game? So I think for me, building an experience within the game is, I think you're 100% correct. The mechanics have to actually try and replicate it in a way that not only mechanically makes sense, but does feel like it replicates it. But I think for me, what clicks the most, so what taking a game like Parks, a game like Wingspan, and a game like Photosynthesis, and makes me understand it and feel that it is truly trying to replicate an experience, is that it gives me a sample of an experience that I can physically, as a human, not at a board game, go and try to experience. I can try to go bird watching because Wingspan says, this is bird watching. You learn a little about the birds, you see their habitats, you look at them. Parks says, you go hiking, you feel the sun, you feel the water, you get to take a photo, boom, you've been to this national park, right? Photosynthesis, just look at some damn trees. And it's a thing I can physically go do. So the mechanics are nestled together so well with the theme that it does make it feel that it's replicating that experience by actually having good mechanics that represent real things but also it presents an idea of a thing that I can right now say, I want to go experience this. And I will have kind of an idea at a simplistic level of what I'm looking forward to. Does that make better sense this time? Absolutely. I hope so. Yeah, it makes a lot. <laughs> I, I wasn't getting the dead-eyed stare. <laughs> and, you know, it could be this big-ass beer we're drinking, because, again, we're not used to drinking full beers, uh, especially not once they're, like, 10% alcohol. And 9%. Or 9% alcohol. But, yeah. With all due respect, I just did not understand the last That's okay. explanation. L- Luckily for you, listener, I cut out so much just now, like 10 minutes or so of uh, me rambling, trying to put my thoughts together. So basically that question, Haley asked it out of the blue, no planning, <laughs> no idea this was coming. I was curious. And it's a good question. It's just a question that I have to like find my way through. To be fair, again, nine o'clock at fair. night. To be fair, nine o'clock at night. Uh, uh, pretty deep into this beer, and uh, my brain's just not fully functioning. You catch me at like 11 a.m. once my meds have kicked in and I'm in for the day, we're good, basically. But I think that's a good question. And replicating experience in games is, I think it's something that's important, right? As much as I love sitting down, uh, let me look at some of the games we've played recently. Uh, as much as I love sitting down with something like Terraforming Mars that I really enjoyed, and I'm moving cubes around, and I'm putting cards down to move more cubes to do this, to put cubes and tiles with cubes and move this cube and move that cube and put a card down here and draw some more cards. That's fun. But does it make me think, you know what? I want to go to Mars. (laughs) No, it doesn't. If we could go to Mars, that's not going to entice me. But if there was a game like Parks and it took place in a Mars colony, hell yeah, I'd be like, oh, I really want to go to Mars now. We should do that when we can. Of course, you know, whatever. Science. Uh, But it, it's that kind of thing, right? There's the, the games that have that. There's just something about them. And I think that that's, that also speaks to part of the success of some of these games. Wingspan is a killer on the market. Parks has been awesome. Like, Parks has blown people out of the water. There's a reason these games are hitting stores like Target, right? 
it's because they're selling like crazy because people like that. Because again, it's something they can physically go do mixed with a great theme that's very well tied into mechanics that try to replicate that experience. Uh, there's just, it's, I don't know, it's hard to, I, I, blah, 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 blah. my brain doesn't know what else to say about it. But I think that these games are just great. A, a game that makes you want to go do something, I think is, is a, a solid win. And now, join us for a Malthouse Games Podcast special, Bite Size Question. And so, the question of the episode is, what would you like to do next in a board game? And that, what experience would you like a board game to simulate next? Oh, I was taking it as, what board game experience do you now want to do in real life? Oh. That's what I meant by it. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I-, <laughs> I just wrote down, all I wrote down was, what experience? Question <laughs> mark. That's my topic uh, uh, name on my spreadsheet that I keep and uh, Haley read that and we both had different interpretations of those words. I think that, that this is probably the first time we've recorded on a Tuesday night. Yeah. I think we need to not record on the second Monday anymore. <laughs> uh, Tuesday's the worst day of the week. Hands down. We all think that at work. Tuesday's the worst day of the week. Garrett and I think Fridays are the best. Haley thinks Thursdays are the best because she's a lunatic. She says it's like Christmas Eve. There's more excitement. And I'm like, listen, it's a freaking Thursday. I got to work eight hours tomorrow. Then I get to enjoy my day. I don't understand this being the Thursday. What about Saturdays? It's like the work the, the Friday workday uh-huh. can be your Christmas Eve. Yeah, Saturday. Then Christmas is boom, Friday night, you know. Christmas is Saturday when I wake up at 9 o'clock and I eat me some tofu <laughs> and I nine, take a nap. By 9 o'clock, do you mean like 815? Because <laughs> it's barely, it's, it's lucky if we get past 830. Yeah. But anyway, so which, which version of the question? Do you just want to answer our own separate ones? You have to answer mine. I have to answer yours. Okay, what was yours? So, what experience would you like to see in board game form? Oh, what experience would I like to see in board game form? Now, there may be games out there already like this, and I don't know that for a fact, so don't quote me, basically. Um, Call them out, Internet. I think it would be fun to have a game that's really good at replicating cooking. Ooh, yeah. That would be difficult because of all the ingredients needed, prep things needed. But I think it would be fun if there was a really good game about cooking. I have no games about cooking. I've seen several. I wanted to play several. I'm still waiting on Dim Sum. I think it's, no, Steam Up. Steam Up, the Dim Sum game Steam Up's that I backed great. on Kickstarter. I really hope it's as great as it looks. Um, but that's not about cooking. That's more about eating and experiencing, uh, you know, Dim Sum. Uh, but yeah, so that's my answer. What about you? So my question is? Uh, what experience does a board game replicate that you now want to do in real life? Or that you want to experience in real life, I guess I should say. Obviously, if you want it to be a fantasy thing, like with broom service, I want to be a witch. Ha 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 Then it works out. Say that again. I want to be a witch. Ha 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 That's my lazy witch's laugh. Did we just find our uh, sample for the episode? <laughs> I'm going to stop that. Margie just set up like, what is happening? And oh, big stretch. I know what's coming. I said, don't forget our small games out there, too, meaning in the living room and our dining room. And Haley gives me this look, and I know it's either Patchwork or Calico. (laughs) So can it be something you've already done? Because I've definitely made a quilt and attracted some cats to it. You have already done that, but pick something you haven't done. Oh, man. Called me. Be kind of fun to be king of Tokyo. To be a a giant kaiju? Just destroying a city and fighting the other kaiju? What I really want to do is, like, not destroy the city, just, like, walk the streets 
but it's kind of like the floor is lava. I don't want to knock anything over. I don't want to touch anything. <laughs> well, technically, isn't Godzilla really a protector? Isn't that the whole thing? That's a good question. I don't know. The, the, I, I think this, I don't know if this is canon. You know, this is something that requires a small amount of research right now. Uh, I think in canon, Godzilla is actually like a good creature who's protecting Earth. As the series progressed, so did Godzilla, changing into a less destructive and more heroic character. Ghidorah, in 1964, was the turning point in Godzilla's transformation from villain to hero by pitting him against a greater threat to humanity, King Ghidorah. Godzilla has since been viewed as an anti-hero. So, yeah, kind of like Godzilla. From, from the beginning, he was a, a big monster, but as he went on, he's actually protector of humanity and the world, which is kind of hilarious because he's a giant lizard dinosaur thing. And I could do that. You could do that. There you go. You could be you could be the one in the in the mechanical bunny suit. I second that. That's what Cy- I was thinking. Cyber too. Bunny? Is that the name? I think. I could be Cyber Bunny. You could be Cyber Bunny. I think that would be fun. There you go. If I can't make quilts to attract more cats and I'll just become a, a bunny helmet on world domination. I lo- I love how my point in the topic version se- section <laughs> was that it's things that are actually achievable by myself. Like I <laughs> I can do the things in the games and you're just like, I'm gonna be Godzilla. <laughs> and that's your whole point. Everything's fine. Well, I, th- I think that does it for this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Malthouse Games Podcast, episode number 115. As we said, we will be in Ohio this weekend. So when this episode comes out and hits your magnificent ears, we will be probably either on Back a plane. In Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah, we'll either be on a plane or on our way to get on a plane or on a layover from a plane, something to get back home pick up Margie from my parents and try to enjoy a little bit of Sunday before the work week begins. But we're going to try to have, uh, hopefully some special content for you all from our trip here to Ohio. So, uh, when you're listening to this, keep an ear out for the next episode. And as long as I get to do what I want to do, which I'm, I just have to make myself and have Haley make me and it's my friend. So it should be easier. Uh, but we will try to come to you, whether it be on here, on YouTube, on social media, something like that. Uh, We will try to come to you with some special extra content uh, from this weekend. So look out for that. You can always look for that at our uh, social media platforms at Malthouse Games, M-A-L-T-H-A-U-S Games. You can always send us an email, contact at malthousegames.com. Do that if you have a game you want us to talk about, a topic that you think we need to cover a question you want us to answer on the show, or if there's any ideas for beer that we can get in Oklahoma that we can pick up to try on the show. And uh, if it's your favorite or just one that you have come across before, we're more than happy to try to find it to pick up. You can always find me personally at Delton Brack, D-E-L-T-O-N-B-R-A-C-K. Although I basically never use my personal pages now, it's all Mothhouse Games. You can find Haley at S-Q-U-I-R-R-E-L-Y-G-E-E-K. That is at Squirrely Geek. Make sure to like, share, and subscribe. Give us a review on Spotify. Give us a review on Apple Podcasts, I think's the app's name. I don't have an iPhone. Uh, Review us all around. Tell your friends about us. Share it on social media. We really appreciate all that good stuff. Is there anything I'm missing? I feel like I'm missing something. I'm very tired. (laughs) 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 It's like the, the, the tiredness is hitting me, but I'm trying to just keep that energy going. And also get through this beer, but now I'm really wanting like an Oreo or two and to finish watching that hiking video. Let's watch an, let's watch an Oreo or two and eat a hiking video. Is that what I said? No. Okay, But that's good. what came out of my mouth. That is what came out of your <laughs> mouth. All right. I think that that's going to wrap this episode up. Thank you again for listening. Uh, thank you again for listening. Uh, we really appreciate it. 
Until next time. Yeah, thank you again for listening. And until next time, sit back, relax, grab a drink, and play some games. We'll see you folks later. Goodbye. Bye.